It is Tuesday, the 5th of April 2016, and this is episode 277 of Digital Outbox. Welcome to another episode of Digital Outbox. I'm Chris, and Ian's here as well. Evening, Chris. Sup? Um, I've just told you about the best feature update to BB-8. Well, I'll imagine that you haven't just told me. So so I have my little rolling BB-8, and there's an update today, which changes for me slightly, and when I watch the Star Wars Blu-ray, Force Awakens, BB-8 will watch with me and react to the film. <laughs> I just love it. It's such such a creative use of all the and you know, privacy stuff that they're in violating by listening uh, to I, everything you're doing. No, but it, it already listens, so you can already turn on a mode. And if you if you say like you know like it's a trap, <laughs> it runs away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got yeah, I like the whole imagination of it. It's, it's clever. So if it, and especially if it does actually work and it really does react as it's on screen and stuff. So yes, good. I'll be doing that. I can't wait. Yeah, to of course that. you will. It's great and it's great marketing. So it's very very clever. And Microsoft Build's been out, uh, been doing the rounds this week. Um, so that's where Microsoft is announcing to all its developers all the kind of features and stuff that's coming up in the world of Microsoft, which obviously covers a whole gamut of stuff. But their um, big announcement on Windows 10 was that their anniversary update is coming and it's going to be free. So it's this summer it's going to be out. Uh, and that kind of adds some nice features, including some sort of biometric type checks and stuff, which you can integrate as a developer into your apps. Yes, um, there's a thing called Windows Hello already, so that you can like show your ugly mug and it'll log you in. And this is now going to extend out to apps, and I think they also said websites as well. So I'm guessing there's some yeah. some they've, login opportunities now. They've got to be pretty confident in its security to be able to offer this, as in they've got to be pretty sure that they've got this licked. Because if developers start putting this as secure access to features and you know functionality, uh, you know, like I say, you don't want that to be loose. No, and they also showed that they're, they're doing a lot more biometrics around the thumbprint. You know, so it's not mm-hmm. just uh, it's not just um, you know, again, logging into Windows, but I'm sure the demo, so I must admit, the, the, the build conference was long and it was also two days. It's a bit ridiculous. But. Again, it's kind of a developer conference in the traditional sense of a developer conference where it was actually aimed at developers, not just a marketing exercise. So, yeah, but it, was it was lots of content. And the yeah. demo, I'm sure, did actually have a, the, the guy who did have a, a, a hat on, a jointy hat, which is quite interesting. But he, um, I think he bought something using the Using thumbprint on yeah. on his on his okay. laptop or as a Surface Pro, um, so nice. In in the PC arena, it's just the vastness difference of hardware that sort of you know. I guess they all have to comply with a certain thing, but you know we'll see. Um, they they were touting their stylus support, so they've increased it. They've obviously been using stylus you know for a long time now, but they've increased and improved its uh, handwriting capability and offered the, an ink center into Windows 10, which sounds like a nice addition. Yep. And um, they're also bringing what's called a sketchbook. The the ink stuff was quite nice because they, they scribbled, and it and it registered that it, although it was a sticky note he was using, and it was like you know phone Chris tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, Cortana picked up the tomorrow and added a reminder in. Yeah, so Cortana is another massive point of what they're pushing here. So this is going to be their kind of 
uh, integrations into everything. So the idea is that she has context as well as ability to sort of match, t- you know, disparate tasks together, trying to work out what you're actually trying to do and, and offer you suggestions. Um, uh, and they're offering that ability for f- integration into own developers' own apps as well. I think. Yes, and it's just it's that they they really are um, focusing on the stylus and pen input. Um, and, I, and I guess we're seeing that with Apple as well now with the, the kind yeah. of iPad Pros now with the, the, you know, the pencil. And I think there's, all, there's an acceptance now that to replace that, because everybody's talked about replacing the, the, you know, the paper pad. Yeah. Apple were very resistant to it when the iPad first came out. You know, they were touting how you didn't need a stylus and how ridiculous it was to have a stylus. But, but it's almost like, yeah, we've got to that point now where, okay, they've sold that kind of, you know, finger touch and solved all the problems around that. And adding the stylus now adds, gives additional elements. So it's it's yes. not the main input, but it's it's sort of meet some half swerving that way, isn't it? That it's, and I think... I, I if do you were wonder, buying an iPad Pro, you'd probably order a stylus with it. Exactly. Even though it's 80 quid or 90 quid, it's, yeah, not, it's, a lot of money. it's not cheap, but but it's, it's a definite. I think, I still think it was back to that, you know, selling that whole concept. You know, they wanted to sell that yes. it's a touch-driven environment. And, you know, jobs, ever the salesman, ever the, the marketeer was the, you know, if you see a stylus, then they've done it wrong. You know, they've, they've failed. <laughs> And, and and at the time he was right because you yeah. know the, the whole touch interface and the way thing you know swipe and all those gesture type ideas if before that time we were still very much on a windows interface with just a little pointy device which you pressed buttons with and it, and you know now we've gone full circle where the stylus is probably being used where it needs to be used and and touch is the still the main interaction between Absolutely. you and, and, and i think device. it's getting away from don't don't be scared of that that people do feel yeah. comfortable writing and if you look at some of the you look at some of the intelligence now around some of the apps and, and iOS or what's built, you know, baked into to Windows. You know, pretty bad handwriting is getting really good, you know, yeah. recognition now. You know, and you can easily turn it into searchable text, and it's yeah. it's there now. And they're also showing off some of the kind of digital rulers and stuff integrated into apps. And I think Adobe had a demonstration where they're showing a, a kind of touch-based stencil and things like that. So uh, kind of adding tools and draftman. Um, abilities onto the pad which is nice uh, let's, let's talk about skype they they talked quite a lot about skype um and basically they're adding ai bots into skype and adding the ability for developers to integrate skype into their own apps and things like that yeah we've seen we've seen i think everybody's talked about bots i think the only one that's not talked about bots is apple so mm. all the big companies facebook in particular um, are talking it's the new bots. buzzword for sure yeah it? and we've seen this idea of like conversational news apps. I think Quartz brought out a news app that was like, it's like, you know, what's happening today? And it replied, you know, a, you know, a bot giving you news updates like text messages. And within Facebook Messenger, there's all this talk about ordering pizza and ordering holidays and making inquiries. And and we talked, you know, a few months ago, how does that scale? You know, initially it was going to be human powered, but they're wanting to get to AI power. And again, Microsoft was showing this with bots. So you could... Uh, and I know they've had. We, we talked last week about their misstep with that that T um, AI powered bot on Twitter, who, which was easily gamed. But this was more of a this conversational idea within Skype that you can be talking to somebody and and you think it's a person, but it's an, an AI bot. Yeah, and and so it's it's almost adding that human interface to a to that you know just where you'd use a you know a keyboard and a mouse. It's trying to offer that nice voice and interactive way of doing that and they're also saying how these new kind of this new bot architecture they'll be talking to each other so actual bots will go and call on other ones so they'll know the services that are available and it's one of those things it's it you know when you first talk about the idea it's it, 
you think, oh, well, that's you're just glamorizing a just a concept that we've already got kind of, you know, with Cortana and things like that. And, and other services uh, have, have done this kind of listening for a while. Um, but actually to now start putting personalities to them, it kind of gives, you know, it's, it's a, it is a different way of interacting. And I think it is something that we will see more and more. It is heading towards, you know, the you know, the, the enterprise's computer, you know. <laughs> no, definitely. And and, and there's, um, I mean, if you fire up, there's a, an app called Telegram that we've got before for messaging. Um, and it got a lot of traction. Remember when WhatsApp was allegedly not encrypted, and we'll come on to that later. But if you fire up Telegram now, there's a bot marketplace. So you can install bots, you can build your own bot, which will, will do automated things for you. Um, so there's, there's a lot there. Um, yeah, Microsoft is touting their bot framework now, so they they've got a- absolutely. So they're doing bot, they're doing a, a bot, you know, framework. They've got a Skype bot SDK as well, and and later on they also covered off that Skype you can now start to embed, and, and maybe not this isn't a good thing, but um, they're bringing out new tools that you can embed um, Skype into, you know, so if, from an enterprise point of view, I can embed Skype now into a, a web app, a mobile app. Yeah, so like you know, so you can log into a website and you can be having a Skype conversation using their SDK over the over the web channel. You know, customers can talk, support can talk, things Absolutely. like that. Again, offering human faces to to what were previously sort of very very dry environments. Um, they they they're all about their Skype at the moment, Microsoft. But unfortunately, they've made their service incredibly unstable. It seems so they they're putting Skype everywhere and literally, you know, ramming it down everyone's faces. Um, but just at the moment, their service is so unstable, and it's probably because of all this development work that's going on, working out how all these services do tie together. Uh, the actual core business of what Skype should be uh, is suffering, and I think that's that's generally received across the internet as being the case at the which, moment. So hopefully, which is a big risk, they will eventually solidify. There, there are there are lots of competition out there. You know, Sadly, it's... there is now. We like internally inside the the organisation I work for at the moment. We're using different services now because Skype has become too unstable and it just will not let us start a conversation with with multiple people properly. So. And I do think that's why places like Slack have added in, you know, you're on a Slack channel, let's turn this into, a, 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 you know, it's audio only at the moment, but it will soon be video. Yes, they're seeing that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And and if they get it right and they do it right, even if it's ultimately hasn't isn't as feature-rich as Skype is, uh, as long as it works for its core responsibility, which is doing multi-calls and um conferencing then then you know all 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 positive to them um yeah microsoft cognitive services they 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 are seeing ai apps so they i something i saw on i saw it on facebook earlier i didn't really pay too much attention but but this was a, a blind person wearing a was it a set of smart glasses and that was interpreting what was in front of the blind user and audio describing what what was happening so they've got this seeing ai app which can which you can basically it, it can look at an image and it can parse it and turn it into a description of what it, of what that image is um, so this is a developer, um, Saqib Sheikh, who, who is who is blind and he works for Microsoft. I think he's been working there for the last 10 years. And it's only now um, that they're getting the technologies, you know, so some some form of smart glasses that have got a camera built in so that as he's having a, you know, so he could be having a conversation with me and you. And if he's looking at me, clearly he wouldn't be able to see because he's blind. But he, he, does a, he did a little kind of swipe gesture on the glass and then he got an audio description of what he was looking at. So it might be, you know, that uh, you know, a, 
Uh, Ian uh, is scowling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ian looks displeased. Which is basically Ian is Glaswegian. But um, <laughs> but basically, you know, it could, so it could be something like Ian is 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 using a microphone, you know, and yeah. or, or or it'll be a male is using a microphone. So we wouldn't say it's Ian. I think they, what they were, I think they were quite clever about it wasn't looking at a person and saying that's Chris Hutchinson. It was just saying male and female because I think that would have alerted all the privacy people to haha you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing but it was very generic and it showed you the power of some of these services to you know something that is we take for granted sounds like the future to me sounds like the future yeah really and it, 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 again so impressive as was the developer himself you know the, the fact that he's a he's blind and he's developing services like this is amazing microsoft chasing after the indie developers again on their console so they've given a, or they're going to be releasing an ability for you to turn your Xbox One into a development console box uh, officially rather than sort of there were some homebrew cracks you could do yourself. Um, but now this is officially there for developers, again, just chasing after the indie market to make sure that people who are developing on Windows 10 can also develop and test their, their games on Xbox One. Uh, they used to do this better on Xbox 360 as it went, but now um, they kind of lost ground to that on PlayStation. And yeah, they they seem to be trying hard to come back up to speed. It was one of the early promises when Xbox One came out that you could, you know, anybody could develop against it. And they've taken mm-hmm. quite a while to tick that box. So, so I think they had a few other service issues to solve before they picked that one. Agreed, agreed. It was interesting because this was, um, you just said his name, haven't you, Phil Spencer? Um, so it was him doing the, he's the head of Xbox for Microsoft. He was doing the kind of keynote thing all around Xbox. But after the after the build conference, he did a kind of, he sat down with a few journalists and he opened up a bit more. Um, and it was interesting, just some of the takes on, we've talked about the, the updated PlayStation that's coming. He talked about this Xbox 1.5, which everybody's quoted as this upgradable hardware. And he was almost distancing himself from this idea that it's just a point upgrade it's like if we want to he says we're happy with the service it works it's reliable and it's a good gaming platform if we want to put out new hardware it has to be something substantially different right we don't just want to do a point upgrade or a small increase so i don't know if that's a hint of remember they were very aggressive with the first xbox it was only out three or four years and then the 360 came out personally i wouldn't be so upset if especially if they could figure out the backwards compatibility if they released a brand new release now i actually wouldn't be that upset because i do think they need to start again it's a bit like the windows 8 they realized that was a bad decision and and went went windows 10 that was a much better decision and uh they started from the ground up and made it better and maybe xbox is the same as a lot but uh, i would say that they're still in that frame uh time frame where really they need to make sure that it is backwards at least backwards compatible and maybe part of this whole platform idea is that yes it would be able to be because uh it would still run uh on the platform it's still designed to be working on it i think that's where they're both going both been in sony as well this idea that there's this updated playstation 4 architecture that's all backwards compatible so if you do want to invest so so for us see that 400 quid purchase every three four years it's fine. But I think if you've got well, kids, if you compare it, it to an iPhone, you know, cha- exactly. But I think yeah, six hundred quid every year. If you've got kids, it's a real challenge. That's the difference yes. I notice if I talk to colleagues. Um, you get folk like me and you who it's like, yeah, give us the latest and greatest. Fine, that's fine. Backwards compatibility, no big deal. But see if you've got a big library and you've got kids, they do go back and play it again and again. 
But yeah, I, and if I, well, just, often they're buying games a lot further down the line, as in not on release. They'll be buying them when they end up in the bargain bucket or whatever. And, uh, you know, as I look look back at my Xbox One collection, actually, you know, I realised I have, this console has been around for a while now. How many how many years is it? I don't even so, know. I think it's only two and a half years. Yeah. So I think back to, think it almost long. feels a different time when we're playing um, things like Titanfall and games like that. So it just, you know, it has had a cycle. Titanfall's um, two years, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's had a cycle of sorts, and like I say, I would like—I'd rather see them come back with a, a really strong platform that really can do um, full HD. Uh, when I—I I mean, 4K. So I think that you know, if they—if they don't match 4K in the next two years, uh, they—you know—that's going to feel really bad. It's going to feel a bit like the old Wii. You know, November twenty. Yep, yeah, November twenty thirteen, and Titanfall was March twenty fourteen. Yeah, not that far. No. Anyway, so that. Yeah, that's that Sorry, is digression. Digression. Yeah, yeah, that was too. <laughs> uh, Azure, they were celebrating Azure, and now that much that's being used. This is their uh, sort of uh, uh, cloud computing service. Uh, they're saying they got a hundred thousand new Azure. In fact, they're saying they're getting, they're getting one hundred twenty thousand new customers per month, which is which seems huge for me. It, it does, seems- but then it was the next paragraph that was kind of hidden away. But Azure's Internet of Things platform processes two trillion Internet of Things messages that's every amazing. week, and that's interesting as well because they're, Microsoft went after this, Android went, well, Google went after this, and Apple are going after this market, in it. and that seems like they've they've got a real foothold there. No, Azure is a really strong offering. You know, I wonder whether they're saying it in that terms just to make it seem like this is the way to go but actually maybe they're still well we've seen it we've seen it from an enterprise perspective that it's a really strong offering compared to other people it's not a Mm -hmm. it's not a it's not just like a conference a sales pitch there's a there's a really strong platform there and the kind of next part of it is is more interesting for me the 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 whole um the, the bot examining which i think we covered a few weeks ago and that is now part of um your visual studio subscription or msdn subscription um, so this is the ability to to basically deploy out to Android. Um, it's a whole other different. It's cross platform, so you can yeah. deploy iOS, Android, and OS OS ten. So. And if you look at the latest screenshots, you you fire up. It's bizarre. You fire up Visual Studio and you fire up like your C sharp editor, and it's got a Apple Watch, you know, you know, like project file, or you can have an iOS or an Android. It's yeah, it is bizarre. And also the other thing, because you've not seen Build, the other thing through Build. Remember they always just take like, oh, in my Lumia phone. No, it was all Apple phones or Android. So it was, yeah, that it's just, and it's just the, dead. The realization that really their market is is across all Win- these different Windows platforms. Windows Phone yeah. just does not exist. It's, it's dead yeah. to the market. Uh, and they've they've released Xamarin on uh, their community portals. They've got limited, slightly limited features or whatever, but actually it's not just the paid subscriptions. You get access to this uh, at the core level. If you're a home developer, you will also get access to at least the core services, which is, again, it's just that, Again, it's what Microsoft always done very well, which is offer that free entry tier, and then if Absolutely. you need to expand and expand up, you you've got those routes through. And and I think they've done it well again, and they're back to their you know core strengths there. Um. Yep, we've talked about that. So th- they came out with Outlook Premium as well. I think this was, is is announcement today, or is it? Um, uh, it was a couple of week. days after. Um, and so Outlook, the I'm trying to remember the name of the, the actual iOS app that they bought, but they've been they've, Outlook's been around for you know decades now. Well, it used to be it's Outlook. Now is the Outlook Web is the old Hotmail, right? It, yeah, 
but they've now but in ios for example you you could have uh they actually bought a third-party app and then rebranded it outlook and it's a, it's probably the best email client third-party email client and a lot of people prefer it to you know mail um but this is a premium service that they're now offering so at four dollars a month um you can have five you know your own five i think it's five custom um, email addresses. So rather than having to go with like live.com or hotmail.com or outlook.com, you can use a, uh, you know, ind.net. Hey. Which they um, used to offer as part of their Outlook service, but they, they've stopped that as a registration. So this is kind of them suggesting that, yeah, people want it back and they, they can monetize that. And $3.99, $3.99. So we're probably talking equivalent of what, two, kind of two pounds a month. Um, so 25 pound a year, something like that. Uh, it's, I, I, yep and it's ad free it's great uh, value i don't know if ad free is that important for people I, I guess for some people it is um but also when you sign up the first year is free so you don't you, the subscription only kicks in after 12 months and really this is kind of a this is this is a way of getting an old you know an outlook uh a, you know a proper exchange type outlook account but doing it in the cloud now off of, so you, you know it's email everywhere um with all that backing for say 25 quid a year which you can't do you know but businesses would be interested in this. I'm sure they've got business um, services anyway. But if you, they're obviously competing with things like Gmail and stuff, which have which have got a good groundhold now. Yeah. Um, Google. Okay, that's that's pretty well. That is pretty much the end of our Microsoft chat today. And um, it, it, it looks really positive. I mean, it, there's a there was a yeah. whole lot of stuff around Hololens. Hololens shipped last week. So if you're if you've yes, there's lots your, of stories about Hololens online. You paid now. your three thousand dollars. You got your Hololens kit, or you'll start. You'll get it soon. Um, there's a, a kind of HoloLens virtual um, uh, development platform now, so you can go and visit that. You can download that, so you can start to develop apps, even if you're if you're not got a HoloLens. So it gives you an idea of what's, you know, what's what's the art of the possible. And it, an interesting thing I read was that that um, yeah, it's a much easier thing to move in and out of. You know, like so full VR headsets can be very disorientating when you take them back off again. But the HoloLens is actually it feels very natural. To, Put, put it on and take it back off in that you don't lose your Absolutely. your surroundings no, you're, you're, but you're but totally people was, aware. yeah so you're totally aware but then but there there's all your brain is convinced obviously that there are things there that are not so it does get confused once you do take it off the fact that these things have now disappeared so although you don't dis- disorientated as far as oh I'm, I'm in a completely different place again now you do get disorientated in thinking oh, there was an object down there two seconds ago, and now it's gone. So your eyes are almost naturally drawn to the, where this thing was, and it's not anymore. The weird thing was, so, so I'm sure I can talk about this safely now. <laughs> and if not, tough, <laughs> I'm going to do it. The, um, the, the the stuff that we saw demoed last year, see when it was a little, little little object, like I could move a little mannequin around, or I could pop some balloons, or I could move a skate window around. My brain never get confused. But there was a, a, a kind of virtual tour guide thing going on where we were out at some you know place in the middle east and you walked around the room and you went to different areas and you did get to the edge of like cliffs and stuff and you did feel a sense of <laughs> i'm at the edge of something even though there was yeah. nothing there because it was the visual started filling up more it was a whole screen so it started taking over your vision and because yeah. you had your rather than it just being well i can see through it and i can see everything and it's just showing me I, i've placed an object you know on on and, and there was other clever things like you know I could pull a, I could take a ball, and if there was a sideboard there, and it, and the the ball would realise it's going to hit the sideboard and it would bounce there because it's scanning the environment, and and if there was no sideboard there, it would just continue down and bounce onto the carpet, and it was really clever with things like that because you were like bloody hell, that's that is, 
Well, you're basically, I mean, when you look at it, you're, you're basically wearing a Kinect on your head um, with, you know, with a screen attached. So I, I, I still, it's early days, but and it's interesting seeing some of the, the, the kind of tech magazines. I've seen all this and you get the camp where they think this full VR, that that is going to be the way forward. And it's almost like there's another camp forming, which is like, no, that's totally bizarre. And you just look like an idiot. And this idea of the, the kind of augmented reality or, or the kind of, and, and Microsoft don't always, don't want to pitch it as AR because it's it's been around for so long. But they see it as something else and they're saying, no, that is the future. That is the where we want the, to be. The, the As far as I'm concerned, though, the, both the ultimate incarnations of both, are, you know, they're both they will both serve their purpose and they will both do a different job but i have to say that this this idea that they've got where they can you know they augment and they can actually completely take over the field of view as well well then that's both best of both worlds if they can ever realize it in that kind of yes. really feature feature rich way but I, I see both as having different uh outputs and uh and and different you know benefits and, and minuses i guess uh, google's april fool jokes this year didn't go down very well uh it was a it was an addition to sort of standard Gmail, um, where instead of, they had the normal send and and draft um, buttons, but they also had a, a send and mic drop. So this is, you know, that oh, this is the end of the conversation. So some, you know, someone dropping the microphone at the end of a conversation, saying, "I don't want to hear any more," and it literally did mute the conversation. So, so it sent an email to whoever you just said, "Right, I don't want to listen anymore." put some minions of uh, uh, an animation of some minions in there uh, and then that was it your conversation was was ended uh, so I, I don't use gmail I, I use the kind of back end but i don't it use wasn't the web. in there wasn't in the enterprise version so it was only in the home yeah gmail and, and so and so they've replaced sending archive which i do remember pressing in the past with this with this sending and mic drop um and straight away people reacted with like oh you know it's... they found it they said it was not very funny and okay fair enough but other people saying oh i've lost a job because of this yeah you know go and get a proper email service uh, and, and, <laughs> and i think that was google's take it didn't impact enterprise and 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 yes some people did say that they'd they'd sent the response and wondered wondered why they didn't see any replies and that's probably costing a job and i don't know if that was genuine or not um, and I bio did, it, who's, who's a well-known you know in, internet guy who does lots of great things he worked up a mocked up a worst case scenario which a funeral director inadvertently sent a gift to a potential client sure uh, there's all sorts of things that could happen google pulled um, it after an hour and i, and I guess yes, the disappointing thing is and I know you said go and get a proper email, you know, go and get an enterprise. <laughs> but but mail for a lot of people is really important, and yeah. there's certain things no, I, you mess I was, around I'm, with. Yes, I I'm not. This is one of them. Sure, I'm not. You know, it, it's much better to have that that day where they all the search results were skewed or something. You know, as in, not skewed as in reordered, skewed as in on the page they were slanting. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Just, yeah. So I guess they'll learn from that that sometimes the internet really doesn't have a sense you know, of humor and i have to say more and more the internet is losing its sense of humor it's it's turning into a sanctimonious self-righteous annoying place to to experience i, I just get hacked off that everybody now says oh this is a worst day in the internet and it's like no you just tweeting that is the worst thing because it's just like just get over yourself yeah go away you know what i mean it's, it's like <laughs> i have i have to, i have to say say a lot of the internet is such it comes out with such a gust, you know. It's it's you know, internet almost has that kind of personality now, and yeah. currently it's it is, it is offended, aghast, and in in shock at the audacity and the the, the 
say the sheer i don't know it's just it's very middle class well it's, it, england part of me wants to say get a grip newspapers have done it for every year for, for since i've been alive that has always had a, yeah. a spoof story and nobody seems to be offended and aghast and this is the worst day on the internet but now we've turned oh it's the worst day on the internet and it's like no there are far yeah. worse days let's be honest yep. this is pretty inoffensive and i know there's this argument about the, the amount of engineering manners that was spent on this it's like shut your hole you know what I mean? I just can't be bothered with yeah. the people. As you say, it's just get out. Get out. Barclays have signed up to Apple. Get Pay. the sea. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so they they're now signed up to Apple Pay. They were la- they're pretty much the last big big player on board. Um, I think it's because they had their own you know their own goals and ambitions in this area, and and they kind of just got a bit overtaken. But anyway, I'm sure that means that they will soon be with Android as well. Um, so yeah. That won't be long to come. Um, I don't know if you. I was going to move on, but you look like you've got something to say. Uh, Transport for London. Um, they they basically let let out that less than half a percent of trips on London's public transport are paid for using mobile devices. Yeah, because everyone can just put their credit card up against the thing. You know, it just takes normal NFC, which is which is great. I think it's great. No, I know. It's just, but if you think back to how, how a lot of people said this was vital, I'm leaving Bartley's, yes. I'm leaving. Yes, I, it's like, <laughs> yeah. so you're probably talking about a handful of people, you know, maybe 100 or 200 people. Remember, they are aghast. And I, I'll be honest, I've used, I had a contactless card for years and never used it. But when it came out on Apple Pay, I used, I used my phone I, and I used my watch. And I use my contactless card in loads of different situations now. Yeah. I like it. It's yeah, good. yeah. Um, WhatsApp. This is an interesting one. They are rolling out full encryption to um, their messenger users. This is the company that's bought, built, sorry, bought by Facebook. Um, and in the light of the kind of court cases with Apple and and the FBI in in the US, they have now come out and said we are going to end to end encrypt messages so that only the intended recipient will ever be able to see this. We will not be able to uh, answer a warrant. I thought, you know, it's it's talk about stoking a fire. It, it is, and um, and fair play to them because I did, I did wonder, because um, when Apple were making a stand, uh, some of the other tech companies are a bit, a bit slow wishy washy, weren't they? To, yeah. to they were like, yeah, there. we kind of we're with Apple, but only at an arm's length, and we, if this we goes wrong, we're going to totally disassociate. We stand with you, and and yeah. and I think Mark Zuckerberg kind of had, you know, I understand Tim' concerns. <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of really wording, like, yeah, we can get it. Like... But no, so, and I hadn't realised um, um, Brazilian police had recently arrested a Facebook executive because, because they couldn't get um, messages sent by a criminal or what's that? So it shows you the real world impact of, you it... know, the, the encryption services that these companies are now providing. Yeah. And say so what it. <laughs> What it actually shows is how much they were relying on cracks and backdoors previously, and now they're being shut down because of the Snowden reports. That's that's what it actually shows you. It's not that they're, um, you know, well they're having to get back the rights legitimately rather than having had taken all those rights for themselves, uh, and they 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 don't like it, and and for good reason because fundamentally, I do believe that most uh, <laughs> most security services are there for a good reason. Um, at least initially, but I am a bit sceptical about how much they change their remit and there's lack of overview that they, they seem to enjoy, which yes. doesn't seem right. And, and again, I'm seeing, I mean, I've deliberately left out all the stuff around the, the kind of Panama papers and the hack that's happened this week because everywhere, 
you know, it's just it just felt we were adding we would add nothing yeah, to it. But yeah. And the fact that lots of newspapers didn't go with that as their front page story. Surprise, surprise. Um, yeah. although, although it still amuses me that the amount of people on Twitter that say the BBC or the Guardian aren't covering David Cameron, it's like, look at the front page of the Guardian. It's on the front page. <laughs> what, what, yeah. what do they what do they need to do? Yeah. Um it's almost like the internet lies sometimes. Oh, really? But they, they were aghast and outlandish and oh, up in arms again. Says April the personality 1st. of internet. April first, worst day of yeah. internet. Facebook, um, tool to help the blind see images. So they've launched in their iOS app. Um, it's basically, as well as reading out the text, which is what the sort of screen readers used to do uh, for the Facebook feed, it will now also describe images. So it might say there are three smiling people in in, in this photo. So uh, it's just adding a little bit more richness to to the the audio description. Again, this is this is great. So I, I was going to hook it up, you know, close to the other stories, but it just made I just thought we'll stick it in here. And I've been working on it for a number of months. It's just amazing what you know. And, and I think back to probably some of the I think it was iOS four, five, and six started adding in a lot more around accessibility and. Um, and what a difference it made, you know, app developers could then, you know, make their app work for, for blind users and, and it just makes such a difference. And again, Facebook doing this just opens it up. Um, yep. Hopefully, I'm guessing the challenge, so what they're saying is it's using neural networks and it's, you know, it's looking at millions of examples. So it's trained. If you think back to, I'm sure it was Google when they were doing the auto tagging, had all those unfortunate, you know, yeah, your, it, wasn't, it, was, it was pretty ugly, but hopefully they got the animal and monkey and stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that is all being sorted. But again, another great example. It's only for iOS screen readers and set to English at the moment because that is the the vast majority that Facebook see. You know, as 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 being the that's probably eighty ninety percent right now. But they will start to add it up to other platforms and languages over time. Cynical mind would say though that you know the only reason they can do all this is because they're doing it anyway. And, you know, they're just surfacing it in these ways. But great, if it's We've, benefiting. Lots of people have suspected for years that they could probably, you know, take your image and see that's Chris Hutchinson. Yeah, well, they, they have been able to because they've got services which you can opt in to sort of do that, can't they? Yeah. Do you so want to see other pictures we think might be you? Yeah. yeah. Chris yeah. is like an ice cream. <laughs> Again. <laughs> for the sixth time today. Now, that self. would be really clever. <laughs> This is the fifth time in three weeks that Chris has eaten an ice cream. Messenger from a Facebook bot. <laughs> Chris, think about the diet you're on. <gasps> How do you know? But all I need to do is pair it up with my Withings tweeting scales. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be good if I'd bought the ice cream and it's Apple Pay saying, I, I checked your weight this morning, you really shouldn't be buying this. This, this has been declined, sir. Yeah. <laughs> oh, imagine that. That taken would be too, scary. Taken too far. Taken too far. Uh, SoundCloud. Uh, is coming up with a new streaming service called SoundCloud Go. Uh, they are touting this as a massive library of 125 million songs, which is far, far larger than Spotify, which has 30 million odd songs, um, which sounds really amazing until you find out that actually those 100 and uh, sort of 15 of those million are the sort of free tracks that everyday users kind of upload. So they could be any sort of audio track. Um, which you have access to anyway, even if you haven't got the streaming service. So, But the streaming service does add this additional X million songs on top of those free ones. And they're hoping that that actual, you know, the free service is a, is a differentiating factor of their, their, this service. Yeah, so thanks to friend of the show, Roy, who pointed the story our way. Um, it actually looks as if it's a bit of a kind of bull crappy service. 
and you, you you pay the same as elsewhere and get far less. You know, the as you're saying, that massive library is already available. Um, yes, you can you can you can have listened to that anyway. And yeah. lots of the lots of the ones that they're touting as you know, yes, you'll get all legitimate albums now, but you I mean, you don't get any Katy Perry. I, I couldn't, well, they, couldn't go on without they, Katy Perry. <laughs> and that's because pretty much I think it's uh, UMG. It's the most it, Universal Music Group have most of the the artists, most of the labels is uh, they own most of them, and most of the big artists that you hear in the charts are based in that sort of label. So until until they get an agreement with them, they're not going to have any of these tracks and these songs. And I think early reviews, when I mean, I'd put in this one from Wired, but generally they're saying the actual usability of it's pretty sucky. The searching isn't as strong as, as what you see elsewhere. So in this example, they were searching for, um, you know, Room on Fire from The Strokes, and they got 404 songs with Fire in the title, but not the 11 that made up that album. You know, so that whole... You know, yeah, they don't quite uh, figure that out. So this feels very beatrish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. It feels it feels a bit of a stretch. SoundCloud feels like been, it would be an unusual subscriber that subscribed yeah. to this rather than. And I love SoundCloud. I'm, I'm I'm sounding really negative on it. I I get a lot out of it. Um, some remixes that I listen to. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of artists put stuff out in SoundCloud as as you know semi exclusives and you know here's somebody that's done a remix. Also, even just for the kind of YouTube you know drone music, it's, it's a really good way of finding some some great tracks that are that I can. You know, yep. they're, they're royalty free, and I can link back to. So it's, I, I think it's a, an amazing service, but I think this feels a bit of a misstep. NFL streaming deal, global NFL streaming deal. Has it gone to the big players? Has it gone to Verizon? Has it gone to Amazon? No, because it's gone to Twitter, that famous streamer. Um, yeah, so Twitter's won the rights to stream uh, NFL game, NFL, NFL games globally, uh, and apparently they kind of they. They put forward a lesser bid, as in monetary-wise, than than the other providers. But I imagine it was extremely um, attractive to the to the NFL that this was going out to so many so many people. Yes, for free, absolutely. So there'll, there'll be there'll be ten games on on a Thursday night streamed by Twitter. It does. It, it's it's. I guess it's all about getting users and making Twitter more sticky. Um, but it does feel a bit it's, like they're the new Yahoo. Feels like they. It's, I mean, I know that they're streaming their Periscope and all those kind of things now, but this does definitely feel like a kind of turn left at the traffic lights type thing. It's, yeah. they, it feels like they're going to sledgehammer in. I'm not even sure how they're going to do it, but they've certainly got the, you know, they've got the infrastructure and backing to do it all right. Yeah, and, and I mean, Twitter, they always talked about the, the second screen, you know, that you're watching and, yeah. and tweeting alongside. And they are now putting stuff into the second stream. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It just feels a bit weird. And as I said, yeah. it feels like they're the new Yahoo, which is about to die, or the AOL, which is, I guess, still around. Yeah, it does feel a bit like they're feeling around desperately, isn't it, in in the dark and trying to figure and out what's millions, going on. 10 million is not a lot, but it's only 10 games, but it's not a lot of money. I mean, these guys tend to throw ridiculous sums around. Yeah, we're used to hearing the billions, right? So and that's not even one premiership game of football next year. No. Uh, Sony has come up with some um, pricing strategies for their their Ultra service, which is allows you to stream some Ooh. movies in 4K. Ooh. Sounds good, right? Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, how much? Do, <laughs> I'm not going to do this pretense. It's thirty dollars <laughs> per movie. This isn't just to get access to their library. Thirty dollars per movie to stream it in 4K. That sounds bonkers. They've lost the plot. If, if, yeah. if, if they've lost the plot. Right, it's simple as that. And, and I know 
I know, like, because I know we had videos, and then when DVDs came out, they were all higher priced, you know, so it was like better quality, and you'll get Dolby surround sound, and so the higher priced in v, you know VHS, and then when Blu-rays came out, they're higher priced, yeah. but it's it's not an infinite scale. There's a reason that people no. buy it. It's we don't it's... pay per pixel. No. <laughs> We don't pay for pixels. That's ridiculous. And, and, uh, and, and this isn't to own. This is to stream. Yeah. So this. Yeah. You don't even own it. And, and you having to pay your own bandwidth your end. It's, I mean, they they obviously have increased storage costs and they have which are cheap nowadays. And they obviously have increased infrastructure costs. Obviously, it takes quite a lot to stream out an HD movie. Uh, sorry, a 4K movie. But but you know when Netflix can move, they're they're you know in America it's seven dollars ninety nine per month. You can move to eleven dollars ninety nine per month and have their 4K offering and okay it's not the sony movie library but nevertheless it shows that infrastructure wise they can obviously support it based on those numbers so but for a few dollars extra they can do it it, it, you know it's i I don't get it it sounds like a duff move and okay they're still early in their their testing cycle and maybe they're deliberately trying to off-put people because they know their service can only support a certain number of people but they're launching with 40 to 50 films so you need to spend at least 1200 dollars to watch 40 movies once once that is that is i mean whoever's sitting doing the sums on this you're wrong you've got it wrong but like i say unless it's because they know their service can't support many people and they're only going for those rich really rich people who don't really care they're still wrong then i know that they're they're dead wrong and it seems dead alien uh ps4 remote play is launching um it it says tomorrow in our show notes is it tomorrow is it it's tomorrow i'd also put a different date in it's tomorrow yeah. So, um, so if you're listening to the, the show, it's today. That's true. <laughs> Go do it. So this is the ability to stream PlayStation 4 games onto PC and Mac, and you can you can input your controller, um, uh, and then off you go. So this is sort of enhancing their existing streaming, which allowed you to go to the, the Vita and uh, a couple of. I think they had a. Did they have an under TV box or something? I can't remember what they did now. Yeah, they've got a PS4 TV. Yes. It was a little that box that you could stream stream onto. Yeah. So yeah, so now that you can go and go and download, so update your PlayStation 4 firmware, and you can go and download the um, Remote Play app onto your Mac or onto your PC. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and that's it. That is the news. The news that was. Um, I don't think I've got a pick. Um, no. Nah, that's we 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 talked long enough. Um, yeah. so let's um, let's just mention that we are digitaloutbox.com. So if you want to find out more about what we are, who we are, and what we're doing, you can go there. Uh, you can talk to us as well if you want. Don't feel don't feel it necessary, but you can do if you want. Email info at digitaloutbox.com and Twitter digitaloutbox. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter as cheesy UK. I was going to say I was on Skype which is a bit of a weird thing to say. I've got Skype on the brain. Um, blog is, my blog is academyracer.co.uk. My first race weekend is coming up. So check in after the weekend there and you'll probably see my videos from what tends to be a bonkers weekend of racing. Where do we find you, Ian? Blog is indie.net and on Twitter as Shweepar. Lovely. And we shall talk to you again next week after my first race. Ooh. Yeah, good luck, Chris. Thank you. Don't lose. Yes, that's my aim. (laughs) Cheers. Speak to you soon. Bye. Ta-da.